0: Well, I've got a really exciting message for all of us today. I don't even usually have message titles, but today I have a message title. So if you're taking notes, you can write this down. The title of my message is, It Runs in the Family. Can you, can you kind of tell where this is going? It runs in the family. It's pretty, cool. it's pretty cool when God gives you a message and then the worship team sings part of your message. I like that. I like that. It's like, oh, cool, I'm not off. Okay, come with me, please, because I came in here with three scriptures, but I've actually during worship got another four, so we've got about seven scriptures to get through. And I take no responsibility, you can talk to the Holy Spirit, oh, actually, no, I've got more than than seven. One, two, three, so I've got another six during worship, so we've got nine scriptures to get through. Get it. (laughs) Okay, come with me, please, to Isaiah chapter 61, I need to be jamming right now, jamming. (laughs) Isaiah 61 and verse 1. This is the prophet Isaiah prophesying hundreds of years before Jesus stepped on the earth, born in a manger. And he starts prophesying about the promise to come. Say it runs in the family. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. Say it runs in the family. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Say it runs in the family. And to proclaim liberty to the captive, Say it runs in the family. The opening of the prison to those who are bound. To, uh, say, say it runs in the family. I want us to get this. And to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. Say it runs in the family. Do you notice that you can't pick and choose which parts you like? To proclaim the year of vengeance. Oh, I don't like talking about God having vengeance. No, it runs in the family. (laughs) (gasps) ( covariance) To comfort all who mourn. Say it runs in the family. family. To console those who mourn in Zion. It runs in the family. family. To give them beauty for ashes. Say it runs in the family. (laughs) To give the oil of joy for mourning. Say it it runs in the family. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. It runs in the family. That they may be called the trees of righteousness, that's us, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Say it runs in the family. And they shall rebuild the old ruins. It runs in the family. And they shall raise up former desolations and they shall repair the ruined cities. It runs in the family. Okay, we're going to stop right there. Do you notice that this is a prophetic word that perfectly describes the profile that Jesus walked in? Do you notice that? Do you also notice that everything that it talks about is someone coming into an atmosphere and 180 degree changing it? Do you notice that? Let's just look at it again real quick. To preach good tidings to the poor. When Jesus comes to people that are poor, and that's not just monetary poor, by the way. That's emotionally poor. That's socially poor. That's mentally poor. Come on, somebody. There's good news to be had. He's come to heal the brokenhearted. When Jesus comes and people are brokenhearted, healing is available. So when Jesus came into the world... He came as light into the darkness, and the darkness couldn't comprehend the light. So wherever Jesus goes, he goes to defy brokenness and leave healing. Say "It it runs in the family. The reason why I'm having you say it runs in the family is because the devil has programmed each one of us which of these things doesn't apply to us and which of these things we're not okay in. Because as I've read through this list, some of us have been like, yeah, I really feel called to that. And then the other things you've been like, oh, that scares me. Or I don't have breakthrough in that. Hello? Can I preach to somebody today? Because we need to hear this. He sent me to heal the broken hearted. When I come to broken hearted, comfort needs to come. When I come to the broken hearted, healing in the heart needs to take place. So that when I walk away, the broken hearted is now whole hearted. Come on, somebody. The problem is, is that the enemy, since you were born, has programmed you that you don't look like your father. Come on, preach. The enemy's told you that you were defeated. You remember the story of the children of Israel standing out in front of Goliath? He defeated them, not with one sword being pulled out of his sheath. He defeated it with what he said for 40 days. Until someone came along that hadn't been there for 40 days, he'd been in an atmosphere of glory. He'd been in an atmosphere of worship. He'd been in an atmosphere under a tree with a harp, worshipping his father and hearing what his father was saying. And when he stepped out of that place and he came to a place where people were weak and people were broken and where people were intimidated he came in with boldness and that's why his brothers called him arrogant and proud because they didn't understand who he was and where he'd been and the problem is is the enemy has been talking to you like Goliath and he's been telling you everything that you're not and he's a liar that's why I'm getting you say getting you to say it runs in the family Because everything that we're talking about is who you are, not who you're going to be. Stop waiting for some great revelation and step into something. Too many of us are like, oh, if I can just overcome that one thing, or if I can just stop being like that. No, you are that today with your struggles there too. Did you notice that Jesus struggled in Gethsemane in his journey to save the world? Do you notice that Jesus struggled with betrayal from one of his closest friends in his journey to save the world? But he didn't stop. He carried on because the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Come on, somebody. Can we preach today? Can we go there? See, the thing is, is that you actually don't have a choice. You've crossed the line and the Spirit of the Lord is now on you. What are you going to do about it? The Spirit of the Lord is on you. Stop waiting to hold the microphone to tell everyone you're anointed. You're anointed right now. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he goes further to say, because the Lord has anointed me. Now, can I say something here? We all like to be anointed, but we don't like to be anointed for something. We like to be anointed so we can control the anointing. So we can choose what we like. Uh But when God anoints you, he anoints you for his purpose, not yours. So everything we've read here is actually the father's purpose, not Jesus' purpose. Because he says, I'm here about my father's business. Remember? Yeah. He got lost for a couple of days. Mary and Joseph are down the road. I mean, talk about neglect. <laughs> like, what is it? The child protection services would have turned up on that scene. They've left the city and he's still in the temple reading the book for two, three days. And Mum and dad haven't figured that out. That's, that's, that's messed up. Mm-hmm. He says, didn't you know I'm busy about my father's business? He didn't come here to say, I'm busy about my ministry. Yeah. Come on, can I talk about, can, I, can we talk a little bit about modern Christians without my ministry moments? I really called that I need to step, I really feel that I'm called to step into my ministry. Yeah. There's no such thing as your ministry. <laughs> can I just destroy flipping modern messed up Christianity for a second? There's no such thing as your ministry. There's the Father's business. Oh. I am busy about my father's business. People get all bent out of shape because they just haven't been launched into my ministry. It's got nothing to do with you. It's got everything to do with the father because he put his power. Anointing means empowerment for God for a specific purpose. So when God puts an anointing on you or when you sense an anointing on someone else, that is for the father's mission. And the father's mission is to seek and save that which was lost. Was lost. Your job is to make sure they get found. Is this okay? Can we preach a bit today? Can we destroy hell inside the church? Okay, good. So the reason I'm getting you to say it runs in the family is because the enemy has been busy telling you that you aren't these things. That you can't free the prisoners and you can't break the chains. You can't heal the brokenhearted. You can't comfort those who mourn. You can't give people the oil of joy because you're so miserable. Come on, Come on somebody. Yes. See, see, the devil is a liar. Yes. The problem is, is we need to get our lie detector out. <laughs> you know how you get your lie detector out? You get your book out. You read your book. And then your book starts going, eh, 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 intruder alert. Look at this. When you show up in people's lives, you're supposed to take their ashes and crown their heads with beauty. People that feel ugly, people that feel they're insignificant, people that feel they're invisible, people that feel they don't matter in society, you're supposed to leave them feeling like the greatest person in the room. Come on, somebody. The oil of joy for mourning. You're supposed to find people that are mourning. Can I tell you one of the worst sins that Christians do? Is they act like the, 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 the mourners that did in the house of Jairus when Jesus shows up to heal the girl. Jesus has to kick them out of the house because their mourning is agreeing with a death and a tragedy and they are empowering death to stay. Yes. Come on, so good. Someone listening today? Yeah. When we mourn, now, I'm not talking about being unsympathetic. I'm not talking about not being sensitive. I'm not talking about that stuff. I'm talking about the fact that when I come into a place where someone's mourning, I'm supposed to put oil of joy on them. Does this make sense? Now, that doesn't look like rolling around on the, gr- on the ground and laughing, but joy brings hope. Yeah. Joy brings courage. Joy takes the, the burden of heaviness and the darkness of, of that dark cloud of depression, and it destroys it in a moment. Come on, somebody. See, it's supposed to look like something when we walk. It runs in the family. I've got nine scriptures. We're on the first one. Is this all right? <laughs> Come on, somebody. What's that? You're getting it done. To proclaim liberty to the captives. You're supposed to not agree with someone's captivity, not agree with someone's being boundness. You're supposed to turn up and say you're going free. Come on. Amen. That's, who we're, that's who we're called to be. We're not called to walk into the, the, the morgue and agree with the, the color of the coffin. Come on. Come on. That's right. Good work. Okay. We need to get ourselves way past... The limitations that we have accepted that are not anything to do with the design brief. This here is actually a design brief. If you've ever taken on a project, if you're, if you're a creative person, you'll get given what's called a design brief. If you've ever done a construction process, you've been given a set of plans. This is a blueprint for who the sons of God and the daughters of heaven are supposed to look like. You see, the problem is, though, is that most of us are struggling with one or more of these things described in here. And I'm going I'm to encourage and invite you today to step out of those things. Because those things are not who you are. And if they're not who you are, they have no right to bind you. I'm going to say that again. Those things are not who you are. They're not written here. So therefore, they have no right to bind you. It doesn't say, and Jesus shall come out of the wilderness bound with depression. Dude, I ain't following no God like that. Are you? Cool, I came to this church to be depressed. No, I did not. Because it's not in the book. I came here to be full of joy. I came here to comfort those who mourn, but not empower those who mourn. Hello, somebody. The problem is, is like I said before, we get around people so that we want to actually coddle them and make them feel like they have a right and excuse to stay there. I'm not talking about not showing up with with chicken noodle soup. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about actually how we embrace someone that's bound. And there's different flavors for everyone. Okay. We are are supposed to comfort people that mourn, but we're not supposed to empower them. We're supposed to call them out. We're supposed to help heal people. You see, the thing is, is we're going to see an amazing move of God here, but it's actually going to be by people looking like this. Okay, let's go take a look here. Looky, looky. Actually, let's go to the book of Genesis, chapter one. It runs in the family. Then God said, I'm just going to read uh, Genesis one, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our own image according to our likeness, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You've been made to look like God. Wouldn't it just be like the enemy to try and deface someone that's made to look like God so that he doesn't have to obey God's delegates? Come on. You've been made to look like God. So that runs in the family. Now, if, if Bex and I had Benjamin, but Benjamin was purple with, with like pink hair from birth, you'd look at me and go, hmm, true? I'd be like, are you the daddy? You would be thinking that. You wouldn't say that to me, but you would be thinking that. But the thing is, is that little boy looks like me, and he's starting to take on some of my, you know, traits, and even, like, he picks up some of the things that I say, and next minute he's saying, I'm like, I never taught you that." like, yes, you did. I heard you say that. The thing is, is so, so here's the thing. Let us make man and woman, that's speaking of the, of the race of man, in our own image, according to our likeness. So there's two different things there. Let us make man to look like us, but let us make man like us. Hello, somebody. He didn't just try and paint a picture and put a different species in it. He made you to look like God, but he also made you like God. Hello. That's why the enemy wants to mess you up and get you depressed. That's why he wants to get you just bound in a place of grieving. Have you ever felt grief over nothing at all? You've just been in a state of grief? Hello. It's something you need to step out of because it has no right over you. Okay. Now watch this. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Basically what they're trying to say Everything on the earth will be submitted to these. There is no power. There is no authority. There is nothing we are giving mankind dominion. Hello. The problem is, is that if I asked every person here individually, I'd say, Where do you, how do you feel? Do you feel like this is you or do you feel bound? And you'd probably tell me, I feel bound in this area. Or I feel like this area is an area where I just, I just constantly move towards depression. Or I constantly see things negative. Or I constantly feel like I'm broken hearted. I feel like all these things have happened to me and I can't get away from them. Why is that? It's because you've been made in the image of God. And the enemy's trying to stop you to live like God. He sees you. He sees your bodily form. But he understands that if you live under brokenness and mourning and feeling bound to different sins, then you won't walk like God. Yeah. And if you don't walk like God, he has dominion. Yeah. True. Come on, somebody. Say, it runs in the family. In the family. Yeah. See, I want you to believe by the time I'm done talking that you truly have a lineage that goes to the throne of heaven. And because of that lineage that goes to the throne of heaven, you don't need to live the way you've been living. And you can literally, by one moment, step out of it and step into freedom. Just in one moment, you can step into freedom. There are churches all over the world that literally facilitate people's brokenness instead of bringing oil to pour on mourning. Come on, somebody. They facilitate people's bondages instead of breaking chains and opening prison doors. Hello? Okay somebody getting free today yes. good okay where are we going next ah. okay so let's go please to the book of Luke so, so Isaiah prophesies this hundreds of years before Jesus walks the earth then Jesus shows up going to go to the book of Luke chapter 4 now I've talked about it recently. Jesus was baptized by his cousin John in the River Jordan. He comes up out of the water. The Holy Spirit descends in the, or like a dove, it says. It doesn't say a dove came down. You guys know that, right? It doesn't say a dove came down. It says in the form or the shape of a dove. And a voice came out of heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. And Jesus has this amazing moment. And then it says that that the Spirit of God led Jesus into the desert to be tempted by the enemy. Now that's probably outside of most of your theology. Because you don't believe that God's going to let anything bad happen to you. You don't believe that God's going to walk you through difficult times. Anyway, that's another message. So he goes down and he goes through this, this, this intense. We, we know there was at least three things where the devil came and tempted him. Remember, he said, turn the rock into bread. And then he says, hey, come up to this, this high place in this temple and throw yourself down and God will command his angels to catch you. And then he also says, bow down before me and I will give you all the kingdoms of the world, right? That actually was all we were told and Jesus defeated him each time with the word of God. He used the word of God and destroyed him because Jesus understood that he was not about what his environment said he was. He was who his father had called him. And his father said, Isaiah 61, through the prophet Isaiah. Okay? So from that place, he actually passed a test because the enemy came in to tempt him, which is the... Please pay attention here. The enemy came in and used lies that looked like the truth to try and take him away from where God had called him to be and what God was having him do. It was trying to distract him from something that was actually an unpleasant journey that God had him in. Because God understands that even his son, Jesus coming in the form of a man, was not going to be prepared in a comfortable resort. And neither are we. So it's real easy when things get uncomfortable to want to flick off the dial and say, I'm disengaging. Or I'm going to pull back. Or I'm going to, I'm going to you know, maybe, that, maybe I'm going to start using my reasoning. And maybe, you know, and in the process we start getting chained up. And we start getting depression and heaviness coming on us. And we start feeling like sorrow and mourning because it's been so hard. And then we start, then we start using self-pity, which is one of the worst things you could ever do because self-pity is a spiritual paralytic. Yeah. And it starts to lock you up. When, once you start feeling sorry for yourself, it's going to be really hard to get back out of that, isn't it? Yeah. You ever been there before? I have. Not good. Yeah. That's why David said when he was getting surrounded and the enemies were attacking him, he said, I lift up my eyes to the hills. The hills is where the enemies had to come over to get to him. And they'd been coming over and messing with him. He said, I lift up my eyes to the hills. And then he says, where does my help come from? He doesn't say, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Here they come again. Poor me. Hello. He said, I lift up my eyes to the hills. And then he says, where does my help come from? My help comes from the maker of heaven and earth. Now that's a good answer. When you have the right to be depressed. When you have the right to be full of fear and intimidated. Yeah, you do have those rights. But actually, I would call it more of a choice. You have a choice to either be depressed or you have a choice to trust God despite being uncomfortable. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Come on, somebody. It runs in the family. Okay, so Jesus goes through this crazy desert experience. And the enemy comes to push him out of the will of God by just listening to one lie. Sometimes that's all it takes, is you listening to one lie, and it can throw off a season. I want you to get that. It just takes listening to one lie and agreeing with it to throw off a season. We need to become masters that burn the arrows of the enemy before they ever get to our hearts. Because it only takes, like, you know, there's people that have come and said all kinds of stuff. And sometimes I'll just be like, shh. Because I'm not strong enough, Pastor Andrew, I'm not strong enough to listen to this lie. Because even though I'm going to tell it to be quiet, I'm going to have to have another fight with this thing every day on top of all the other fights I have to deal with. So it's better for me to tell you to be quiet. And it's okay if you're offended, because I'd rather you be offended than me be struggling. Hello, somebody. Okay. So he goes through this battle. And then it comes out, I want to read this next bit to you. Verse 14, then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. Jesus had another measure of power that came on him because he overcame darkness in a test. In the test, you feel, like Jesus, the first test, you feel like you're going to starve and everything's going to fall apart and the enemy's saying, just go the easy route, Jesus. I watched you. I know how you do this. You can turn water into wine. You can make rock into into bread. This is easy for you. You can do this, Jesus. This is easy. It's even legal because it's a miracle that would give glory to God. Think about that for a second. Think about it. So, Jesus understands the mission he's on, and it isn't fair because someone's trying to tell him to come to Panera Bakery. And he's using scriptures. The enemy's using scriptures. It's not fair. That's all you have to know you God. Okay, so after that, he comes out and his power, his anointing has now been multiplied. Let that sink in. When you break the power of the enemy and you come through a test and you deny the enemy's right to deceive you, let that sink in. You deny the enemy's right to deceive you. He is the deceiver. Remember that's one of his names? You get greater power. You get greater anointing. Okay, so he came to Nazareth, Nazareth where, oh sorry, I've jumped a section here. When Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee and news went, went throughout all the surrounding region, he began to teach in the synagogues, being glorified by all. When Jesus went through a test and the enemy tried to crush him, he came out endued with power. Now watch this. Verse 16, so he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up and as his custom was, notice that, as his custom was, I was hanging out with Anton yesterday and I said, you know, one of the big problems that, out, that the uh, Christian church society, modern church society has today is that people believe that if they just get around an anointed person, they don't have to seek God privately. They believe that by association they can get some kind of sign off and by association we can get some kind of validity. And because of that we can bypass actually having to go to the desert. And this isn't how it works. He went to the synagogue as his custom was. He went up to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood and read and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And he opened the book and found the place where it is written. Now watch this. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He comes straight out of of his test. Listen to this. He comes straight out of his test into purpose. He comes out of his test and steps into purpose. You have to pass your tests. When the enemy comes in to mess with you, you have to pass your tests. Because the enemy tells you that the bread is going to make it easy. But what it actually does is it keeps you in the desert for seasons, not a season. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. It runs in the family. If Jesus went this route, don't think you're going to go an easier route. Come on, somebody. He didn't say, guys, I'm here now. You need to sign up to my Instagram. <laughs> he didn't. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. You have been sent by God to heal and touch everybody you meet. Come on. This is awesome. And can I say this? In the middle of you working through your stuff. Because one of the greatest lies that the devil has is you have to get, now now hear me, because there's a balance to this, and I can see people running off in the wrong direction with this. The devil tells you that you have to be perfect, sinless, before you can do anything for God. And that includes preaching to your next door neighbor. Okay, that's not true. We're all a work in progress. Okay. You just have to understand there's different levels of responsibility. And if you can't be faithful with being a doorkeeper in the house of God, why would God ever make you a preacher? Hello. Okay, anyways, so just leave that right there. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind. That's an awesome statement. And, And set at liberty those who were oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Awesome. So Jesus steps out from a test into purpose. The promise is now here and being fulfilled because it went through a process. Okay. Someone getting something today? So we know that Jesus lived his life and, you know, I I don't have time to go into that because I've actually got another seven scriptures that we need to go through. But I'm I'm doing my best to, to run through this as quickly as I can. I'm going to start touching on a few scriptures here. Is that okay? Our problem is that we have too many excuses and we have too many auto-default answers why we can't. Jesus actually didn't want to. I mean, like, this is something that I just haven't been able to let go of lately. Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. He went to the cross because he was actually never on his own mission from the first place. We need to get off our mission, and we need to get on God's. Because when you're on God's mission, and you're actually living out a life through intimacy with the Father primarily, you will understand that His grace is sufficient. If you just hear this message, but you're not having intimacy with the Father, not understanding that His grace is sufficient, you're just going to start striving, messed up with all your sins, pretending that you're not depressed, pretending that you're not mourning, pretending that you're not bound in the prison, and you're going to be trying to set other people free. Now, there is truth in the fact that you can't minister to someone in something you're bound in. True. You can't, you know, uh, use spirit of depression. Come off Whitney, but I'm dealing with depression. No, that doesn't work like that because the devil's going to laugh at you. So you have to step out into authority. But here's here's the good news. Somebody say good news. It runs in the family. It runs in the family. So if there is no depression in heaven, it actually has no right to live on you, Nicole. It has no right to live on me. Come on, Rose, it has no right to live on you. So the thing is, is that we stay bound while we don't understand the legalities. The second you understand what's legal in heaven, you start to step into license of freedom. There's no depression in heaven. True? There's no depression on me. I will not tolerate depression. Now, I feel you. Yeah, I feel you. I woke up this morning and I felt you in my room. Can I tell you a little secret? Sometimes Sundays are my hardest day in the week. Seriously, telling you the truth because all hell comes to try and mess with me. Today I had a crazy headache all day, right? I could barely concentrate. You know why? Because the devil knew this message was coming. Now if you asked me 10 minutes ago, Andrew, do you have a headache and are you feeling like crap? I'd say yes, but I'm not here to agree with that. I don't have a right to agree with that. I'm not on my mission, I'm on his. Does this make sense? So stop using your excuses to get yourself out of the will of God okay awesome we can be especially in this territory we can be perfectionists where we wait for the environment to be perfect oh I don't think we're going to put the put the yacht out on the water today because I see a few ripples and it could be a storm further out so do you get what I'm saying oh I don't want to get wet dude we're going in the ocean what if it rains we're going in the ocean I hope I get wet do you get what I'm saying? We wait for the condition to be perfect because we're afraid. What if the devil comes after me? Can I, can I preach to someone today? It runs in the family. They came after Jesus too. Come on. What I'm trying to get across to you is those symptoms that you're feeling are not real. They're not real. What God has said about you is real. There is, whether you, because can I, can I say this? We don't walk by feelings, we walk by faith. faith. So that means that sometimes our feelings will lie to us and you won't feel like you're anointed. Have you, let, let, me, let me prove myself to you. Can I prove myself to you for a second? Have you ever been in one of those situations where you're just hanging out, you didn't pray in tongues, you didn't read your Bible, you didn't do nothing. You're hanging out with a friend. And all of a sudden, you say something where you think you're talking and they, their eyes go like, like fishbowl saucers. Have you ever seen that? And they're just like, whoa, how did you know that? Or what you just said just went straight to my heart and that's everything I've been praying about. You ever had that happen to you before? Yeah. That's called the anointing, answering someone's need, where God speaks through you where you didn't even realize it was happening. Our problem is, is when we try and take credit for it. Yeah, it's actually Christ in you, their hope of glory. Get what I'm saying? Yeah. So God actually can speak through you without your permission. Did you know that? Did you know that? It's a real thing. The anointing is on you, and you don't feel it sometimes because you're actually in atmospheric battles that don't feel nice. But it was never about your feelings. It was about God's harvest of his lost sons and daughters getting redeemed. Come on. This is awesome. Your life should look like people getting impacted every week. But here's the, main, here's the crazy part. You're not always going to hear about it. Because people aren't always going to say, thank you for doing that. Some of them are going to walk away pissed off. (laughs) Just being honest, because sometimes when the truth comes, people don't like it. Sometimes when the presence of God comes, people get upset. But that's not your problem. The rich man went away very sad. Why? Because truth came and he didn't like it. Jesus didn't go running after him, saying, oh, I don't want to lose one of my followers. Can you please go back and like my Instagram page? I'm so insecure. Jesus was like, okay. Is it heartless? No. It's just that there's a narrow road. And God is not begging people. He already begged them at the cross. Okay. Okay. So, let's go to the book of Revelation, chapter one. Book of Revelation. You have been made in the image of God. Jesus was the promise. He came, he lived. Watch this. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. And from Christ Jesus, the faithful witness. Say it runs in the family. So everything that you read about Jesus applies to you too. Do you understand that? Everything that's about Jesus is about your life. You just don't feel like it because you have all these reasons that the enemy has brainwashed you about. And you've agreed with them. And I'm here to tell you it's time to unagree with them, disagree with them, cancel them, kick them out, blood wash them, whatever you need to do. Okay. The faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead. Now, somebody say that with me. The firstborn from the dead. That means that if there's a firstborn, there's others coming. Hello. The firstborn means there's others coming. And because there's others coming, you have been raised out of darkness into light even though you haven't physically died yet. Come on, somebody. This is good news. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to destroy hell. Firstly, before we go and help the world, let's get this out of our head first, that what the enemy has put on the world applies to us too. Because the doctors and society and our track record and all these things have quote unquote bona fide proof that we're bound true we agree with the conditions we agree with oh it's this kind of addiction or it's this kind of mental illness or it's this kind of you know uh, depression that hits me I just feel really sad and it's this particular sin that the devil oh I don't know if I'm ever going to be free stop it the spirit of the Lord is upon you It runs in the family. God the Father saw it fit to put his power on your life so that people would go free. And in the process, you get to go free as well. It's so easy to get someone to come stand up here and watch them get healed. It's the same power that wants to set you free, but you have to agree with it in your heart and your mind first. Come on. on. Some of us need to disagree and actually separate ourselves from depression and heaviness. Okay, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth... Who's the kings of the earth? We are the kings of the earth. It isn't the president. I mean, they've got their place, but they're not the important kings that are being talked about here. Okay, let me prove that to you. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Jesus loves you so much that he has washed you from your sins in his own blood. That means you were spotless, pure, acceptable before God. The problem is, is that in the spotless, pure and acceptable before God, the devil understands that you're spotless, pure and acceptable, but he hasn't actually tried. So he's tried to stop our minds believing it. Sanctification is the process of the renewing of your mind. Your spirit is washed immediately, perfectly clean, blood of Jesus, totally pure, clean, acceptable before God. But the problem is, is our mind still agrees with the way hell has trained us. Does this make sense? And that's why Romans 12, 1, be therefore transformed by the renewing of your mind through the washing of the word. This word actually is designed to confront you, yep. to offend you. And when I say you, I'm not talking about the blood-washed spirit. I'm talking about my unrenewed mind uh-huh. that constantly disagreed, agrees with, therefore the spirit of the Lord is upon me right. for he's anointed me to set the captives free and to proclaim the year of the acceptable year of the Lord and to pour oil on people's heads. Yep. Which is great. Okay. And has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Now, this right here is awesome. So, what you're actually reading is, Jesus is the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. Come on. And that he has now made us kings and priests, and that he's washed us in his blood. Therefore... The old me is gone. There's a brand new person standing in front of you. You can't accuse me on what the devil got me for last week. Do you understand? I'm a brand new creation. You're a brand new creation. Therefore, what the doctor told you doesn't actually stand. What your track record of discouragement, despair, mourning, regret, sin issues, struggles, addictions, that doesn't apply. There are a new set of rules here. It's called the anointing. Okay, it's called God's purpose. It's called my father's business. Okay. Okay, watch this. Acts chapter 11, verse 26. I'm just going to gun through it. I'm going to try and finish by half past. Is that all right? I've got 10 minutes. <clears throat> Actually, no, just, just hold that. I'm going to go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. You don't have to turn there. For God knew his people in advance. Say, God knew me in advance. It runs in the family. And he chose them to be like his son. It runs in the family. I've been made like Jesus who's like my father. Yeah, yeah. Come on. This is a generational genealogy inheritance DNA thing. Yeah. Come on somebody. So God knew me in advance. And he chose us to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. I like the New Living Translation on that one because it talks about brothers and sisters. Got to have the sisters in there too. You get what I'm saying? So God actually sees you as an extension. Jesus rose from the dead. Think about this. Jesus conquers Satan in hell. He destroys him. He, He beats the crap out of him. That's what he did. And he took the keys off him, rose from the dead, hung out with the disciples for 40 days, ascends on a cloud. That cloud takes him to the pearly gates of heaven. The pearly gates open. All the angels are in the courts of heaven. The father sitting, the most proud father you've ever met in your life. You think that what he said at the River Jordan was awesome? Wait till you hear what he says in front of all of the saints. (laughs) And the father sitting there on the throne and Jesus in human form with blood still in his scars walks up the aisles of heaven. He says, I'm here to represent the family. Come on, I'm bringing you the bloodline of humanity back into the gates of heaven. Come on, somebody. You remember the other sons and daughters, the brothers and sisters? Yeah, I just gained us a family, God. You see, your family, your family with God. It's not about a, a judge or an angry tyrant, it's not that. That's who God is to the devil. He is a judge and he is a tyrant to the devil. The reason that we struggle with that mentality is because the devil keeps telling us that we're his child. Even though we're blood redeemed in our spirit. Come on. So we have this conflict of interest between is God angry or happy? Is God angry or happy? Do you get what I'm saying? I think the greatest disappointment that God the Father could have is when we choose to live in mourning and regret and in brokenness and in bondage and not live in the freedom that's been paid for. Yes. This is good. Okay. So we're the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. The scriptures say this as Christ was on the earth, so are you. First John four, I think. Is that correct? Yeah, it's actually I do have it written down. First John four verse seventeen, if you want to write it down. Let's look at this real quick. First John. That's not the gospels and stuff. That's that's the ones near the end. First John. Chapter 4, verse 17. Okay. Love has been perfected among us in this. Who is love? Who, who is love? He's our Father. God has been, our Father has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness. Come on, somebody. Who is it that steals your confidence? The Father of the world, not the Father of heaven. Right. The devil. Okay. He's trying to steal your confidence by making you feel like you're in quicksand in your problems, your heaviness, your depression, your sin, your addictions. Come on, somebody. Yeah. But God has perfected love in us in that the fact that he's giving us boldness. Yeah. We can have boldness to step out in God, even if, I want you to get this, even if you're still working through some junk. Yeah. Come on, oh, Come on. Let, 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 me, let me just help you with this here. Peter cut a dude's ear off, (coughs) cusses, lies three times, runs away when his best friend is being taken to the cross and abandoned him like a coward. Jesus rises 30 days later, sorry, three days later, hangs out with them for 40 days, and then they're in the upper room for another 40 days. And so we're not talking even a year later, right? We're talking three months at the most, two and a half months. Ah, three months, whatever. And within that period of time, Peter's the one in his brokenness because we all know that Peter still had a few character issues in the works. Hello. He's the one that stood up and he's like, this is what the prophet Joel spoke about. And 3,000 people get saved at his altar call. Still broken, still got some junk. God's grace will help you to still... Be the person that's preaching good news to the poor. Still be the person that's pouring oil, even when you need a little oil yourself. Because the Bible says that He gives seed to the sower. Or do you think that's just a tithing scripture? Sometimes the best thing you can do when you're feeling like crap is go pray for someone else that's feeling like crap. I'm serious. You start actually feeling good because you know what? Part of the problem is is we take our attention off our self-pity and we actually start giving someone some love and pouring into them. And in the process, we stop looking at, oh, you know what? I just feel really horrible about my life. That's where the devil wants you to live. He wants you to live with no power. He wants you to not have any anointing and not preach to the poor. He doesn't want you pouring oil on anyone. Why would that be? Because you are actually, listen to this, you outrank Satan. He is powerful. He does have dominion. Yes. But actually, we have greater. Not because of who we are, but because who's standing inside of us. Do you understand that? The problem is, is that if you're so focused on the fact that you're miserable, how can you give glory to the one who's standing inside of you? And if you can't do that, then you're actually bound. Hello. Is this helping somebody today? Okay. So watch this. We have boldness on the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Now that scripture can just get branded on our hearts. As he is, not as he, do you notice it says as he, it doesn't say as he was. So Jesus is actually now glorified more than when he was on the earth. Come on somebody, I'm preaching to you. That, this is the key right here. I've never seen this before. This is the key why Jesus said greater things that will, will you do. Because as he is now, not as he was when he walked the earth, he's more glorified now. That means we're more glorified. Come on, somebody. Which means we can do greater things if we just believe. As he is, so are we in this world. As he is, present tense. Awesome. This is great. This is good news, actually, as it happens. (laughs) Now watch this. There is now, therefore, there there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. So all the stuff that we've been talking about—the the the the, the mourning, the depression, the 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 the, the sorrow, the heaviness, the sin, the addiction stuff—all that stuff is cast out through love. There is no fear in love. So Jesus actually, when we actually let him be who he's called to be, these things fall off. And that's why I say, step out of it. Yeah. Just right now, I, no, I ain't going to be that person anymore. Depression, you have no voice with me. I might still feel you. The problem is, this this is the problem, is that we believe that just because we decide something, we won't feel it anymore. See, Jesus walked on water, not on a perfect day. He walked on water in the midst of a terrible storm where seasoned sailors and fishermen thought they were going to lose their lives. On, you have to understand that the power of God is not pretty and perfect all the time. Yeah, come on. It's messy and sloppy, and sometimes, actually, it looks like you believe in God in the middle of a mess. Okay. So there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear... Uh, because fear involves torment. God's got nothing to do with torment. He's got everything to do with love and freedom. Yeah. Come on, this is beautiful. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. The second you're in fear, this greatness, this, this, this anointing to preach good tidings to the poor is not available. Yeah. Because there is something trying to choke you out. How can you walk in confidence and freedom and boldness if you're so busy being in, engulfed in your own misery? Yeah. Hello? Look, Jesus, did you see Jesus when he turned up to, for Lazarus? He didn't actually go into a huge pity party, did he? I personally think he wailed in front of, uh, this is my personal belief, you might have great theological belief, but I personally believe when he cried, he wasn't crying for his friend. In front, it says he let out a loud cry in front of the tomb of Lazarus. I actually think he was seeing his future. I think he was seeing that where he was going and God the Father was like showing him this is, this is what's about to happen to you. And I mean, Jesus wasn't scared or afraid, but I think he saw the grief that was coming. But Jesus actually didn't, you know, he didn't go into a depressive state and try and conjure up the anointing. In the middle of personal this wasn't like, "Oh, this random person we've never met died, and they want you to come and pray." This was a personal close friend, and in the midst of that personal closeness, Jesus actually stands in who He is. Yeah. We need to stop feeling sorry for ourselves. And we need to stop being so emotionally tender-gloving on ourselves and just, you know, trying to pat everything real cushiony. And we actually just need to get in the nitty-gritty sometimes yep. Yep. and just go after the freedom that God has called us to walk in because you, know, you have no idea who's depending on you. Yep. And you have no idea how much they need, but they never said a word out of their mouth to you. Okay. Okay. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. He who, uh, we love him because he first loved us, and I've just gone over time. But... That's okay. That was the time I set, so we can reset that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm going to run through a couple here. And then, then I'm going to wrap it up. Someone getting something today? Yeah. Is someone getting encouraged? Yeah. Okay, Acts chapter 11, verse 26. And when he had found him, this is, by the way, this is in the midst of Saul. Remember Saul, the one that was killing all the Christians? Yeah, sometimes God's going to get you to help someone that's actually been hurting you. Right. Now that is rough. <laughs> It's easy to help someone that looks good on a Facebook picture. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. Watch this. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. What that means is that other people called the disciples Christians. They didn't give themselves labels. We were joking at the house last night. You know, everyone's like, oh, apostle this and prophet that and evangelist this. And you know, do you get what I'm saying? And I'm, I'm, look, that stuff actually probably is important, but I actually think it's been so abused by people that need to be, uh, you know, validated. And they need to have the positions of power and they need the titles. But you know, the thing is, is that actually you don't, call, you don't refer to a doctor for, for his benefit. You actually refer to a doctor for yours. Because if you don't call someone a doctor, you're not going to let them operate on you, are you? Right. Anyway, that's that's side note for free. <sighs> but here's the thing. Do you understand what the word Christian means? It means Christ one or little Christ. So the world looked at these people and they said, you look like Christ, or you are just like a little Christ. You're like Jesus, you see, because people weren't walking around in heavy depression. I mean, there was one dude, he fell asleep in the middle of this. I mean, anyway, that's a whole other story. But he, he fell asleep at one in the morning while Paul, Paul, talk about going overtime. Paul was preaching at one a.m. Homeboy falls asleep in the window on the second floor, falls out the window and dies. Well, that's a bad day. He really fell asleep. When they raised him from the dead, it was awesome. But, okay, so it runs in the family. When people see you, they need to see Jesus. Can I tell you something? Can I give you one other tip? Stop telling everyone all your problems. Stop spewing negativity on everyone with all your hardships. Because Why would anyone come to someone for help when all you're doing is talking about your hardships? Hello. Can I just give some real talk out here for a second? We need to hear hear some real talk because we're all wanting. The only reason that people do that is because they want sympathy. And the reason they want sympathy is because they've refused intimacy from the real one that matters. So we try and pull it from other people. Does this make sense? If you need anyone to be sympathetic with you, God help me, lift me up from this pit that I'm in. And then don't tell everyone your problem. Maybe come to your pastors. That's different. But I'm just saying, don't be the person that tells everyone the same story. (laughs) Can you please, can someone please help me? Yeah, what you're trying to say is, can you please be my source? Because I don't want to connect with God. I'm too afraid to be intimate with him. Okay. Anyway, so we'll leave that there. If it it fits, wear it. And change. Serious. I love you guys. I, I want us to grow. Here, it's not even about what I want. It's about what the father wants. It's the father's business. Right. This is a family business. We're all part of it. Right. It's called let's save the world together. Right. Not let's make the world. Look, man, we've got people rioting. There's, all kind, not, uh, there's people like campaigning and having protests. Man, the world's a mess. They don't need another depressed Christian. They need someone that's got hope in their eyes. <laughs> someone that's full of love. And yeah, maybe there's some background struggles going on. Listen, man, when we went in to get, you know, the the doctor that actually delivered, actually the same doctor, what was his name again? Doctor delivered our kids. I can't remember his name, doesn't matter. But this guy is amazing. I think God like picked the best doctor in the country. And like we get there with the twins at four in the morning to, to like the day was the day had come, you know, this is the kind of doctor this guy was. He walks in and you feel like this guy has the best life on the planet. He walks in, he's playing the Beach Boys, right? He's playing the Beach Boys in the theater, in the operating room. And he's whistling and he's singing. He's the happiest. You would think that this guy doesn't have any problems on the planet. Now, I'm not saying let's be unreal because we do need to be real with the right people. Other people don't need to see a thing. You just need to be the doctor that's there to deliver them. Say, man, it's the it's the best day you've ever had. You know this is going to be awesome. Show them that actually God is alive. Right. Yeah. Hello. Yeah, yeah. Show them that God's in a good mood, and you just had a conversation with Him. Yeah. Come on, this is who the world needs. That they need to see some real hope in your eyes, wow. yeah. not another. Oh, you know, I'm just just getting through the day, and uh, maybe I should go get some medication for this. Wow. Why would you ever go to a doctor? Like, honestly. You know, we, I've met some weird doctors in my time. This doctor was the best doctor. I've, I mean, this guy was amazing. Like, I'm like, who are you? Are you an angel? Because this is weird, but awesome. But if we walked into that, you know, that meeting where we meet the doctor, and he's just like, oh, this is really rough, and I've got these personal problems, and, you know, me and my wife are having a fight right now, and I'm feeling really depressed. I'm like, babe, let's go right now. Let's get the heck out of Dodge. You would do it too, right? It's like, you're about to, like, you know, deliver my children. I don't want you involved in this. He's the happiest dude you've ever met in, his, in your life. Apparently this guy has a waiting list. We got him both times, right? Without being waiting. It was awesome. So anyways, real quick, real quick. I need to wrap this up. Is someone getting something today? Can we just get so happy that we cross lines and we actually divorce the stuff where the devil's lied to us into being someone who God has never called us to be because it runs in the family. Okay. Okay. Here's another really good one. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Preach the word. Hello. Preach the word. Don't leave the preaching to the preacher. That's for everybody. Now, that might not look like you preaching like I'm preaching today because God knows the person that you've just met at Starbucks doesn't need to be talked to like this. Okay? They need someone that's love, But they do need someone to tell them about the love of God. Okay, preach the word. Watch this. Be ready in season and out of season. Can I talk to you for a second? I'll only be a second, I promise. I know I'm going over a little bit, but I think this is actually helping some people. Being ready in season and out of season looks like when you're feeling really good about it and when you're feeling like you don't want to have anything to do with it. You actually don't have a right to turn off and on your sonship. You don't have a right to turn off your availability to save a soul, to love a soul, to help somebody. You're in season and out of season, baby. You've been bought with the price. You can't be like, well, I'm good right now, but then I struggled, so I'm going to disengage. Come on. It runs in the family. I'm really glad that Jesus didn't just say, hey, guys, you know, I'm having a rough week this week. Caiaphas, the high priest, is picking on me, and I'm feeling a little bit like, you know, I'm feeling a little bullied right now. I'm just going to step out for a couple of weeks and just go be with the Father in isolation. Hello. Hello. Convince, rebuke, exhort, and with all long-suffering. Does that look, Tim, pleasant to you? When God uses the word long-suffering, it's generally not an exciting term, is it? It means that there's going to be lots of suffering. <laughs> and you're going to have to be real patient in the season that you're in. Yeah, preach the word. Be faithful with the gospel. Be faithful to bring the anointing and, and the message of hope to the poor, whether you like it or not. Okay. Amen. Here's the last scripture, last scripture. 1 Peter 3, verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. That looks like you're actually putting God first in your heart, which means like you're dethroning the stuff that disqualifies you. Okay? And always be ready to give a defense or an answer to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope, not the depression, the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. That means with humility. With, and by the way, fear is not like I'm afraid and, you know, oh, there's my outlook. Some of you have been like, look, there it is. There's my reason I can stay in fear. Mm-hmm. No, no, with meekness and fear of the Lord. Yeah. What that means is I respect God so much that I could never deny you some love right now. Yeah. I respect God so much that I'm not going to be someone that doesn't bring you hope in a moment. I'm not going to not pour oil on your head when you need some joy. Does this make sense? Yeah. Someone get something today? Yeah. Why don't we stand to our feet? I'm going to close in prayer. If you need prayer at the end, we're going to pray for you. Some of us just need to make decisions to cross lines. We need to make decisions to actually be deliverers. You know that Moses didn't want to be a deliverer and God was like, if you don't go, I'm going to strike you dead. You can read it. It's in the book. He's like, I'm going to cut you down right now. I showed up to you with the burning bush and you don't want to still believe? Come on. Now that was Old Testament. God's not going to handle you like that now. But... But my point is this, is that actually you have been made a deliverer like God. Sorry, well, yeah, like Jesus. You're exactly like that. You've been made a deliverer to come and heal, a deliverer to come and set free, a deliverer to completely bring transformation so that when you come into some form of darkness, by the time you leave, the people that have been in and around it actually are thinking differently. And even if they're not fully there yet, they've they've seen rays of hope. They've seen answers. They've seen, they've seen breakthroughs. Maybe they've just seen a full, full force deliverance. Mm-hmm. Come on. So Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we just, we put off the reasons that we've had to not stand fully in the, the position that you've called us to. Yes. We ask that you would wash us and that you would cleanse us and that you would cause us to see like you do. Mm-hmm. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that it does run in the family. I thank you that we are your sons, we're your daughters, and that we look like you even when we don't feel like it. We have your DNA, we have your blood, we have your authority, we have your freedom, we have your power, and that we are going to walk in that. We're going to love people, God, and even when we don't feel like it, we're going to show them who you are the best we can. And in the process, God, I thank you that freedom is coming to our lives, in the areas that we're still struggling in because you told us that you would water those that water, and that you would give seed to the sower. So I thank you, God, even in the areas where we feel like we're still in the depth or or the thick of the fight, that your freedom, as we step out in these things, as we look to bring your love and your freedom, your deliverance, oil of joy over people, and we decide that we're not going to walk in depression and heaviness and all those dark things that have been popping up in our hearts today, as we've been hearing this message, that you are going to bring greater and greater and greater freedom and we're going to step further and further into the image of Jesus. Father, I thank you that this is going to be, this is your game plan for Huntington Beach in Orange County, for California and the United States of America. This is your plan for the world, God, and as we follow it and obedient, we're going to make a greater room for heaven to flow through us. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, you guys, thanks for being patient. I went about 15 minutes over, but I think it was worth it. Have an awesome rest of your weekend. If anyone needs prayer, we're going to be up the front here for a little bit. And uh, why don't you just move around the room and just love on somebody and tell them something good. Be blessed.